If you all bow your heads. Father God, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you that we can run a race in your name, that we can build your kingdom in your name, that we can worship you in your church. God, we sit here today as a full kingdom from birth and on up. We are here to learn from you. We are here to hear from you. And whatever you lay on our hearts, God, I hope that we act on it. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I may need some help, Lauren, with this too, if you're not too far out of breath. So um, just about get some of this stuff up here. Is that okay? So hold on, take these out. There we go. And yeah. Oh, you're good. And I want the blocks. Oh, those blocks you can have. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. So we're going to have some fun. Have you figured that out today? Hey, Danny, turn me down just a hair, if you would, for here. We'll see how that comes out. Now, if you're online, you're like, what the heck is going on, especially? Well, this is an interesting day. As a church family, when it happened, let me give you some history of how we got to the place to do this day in a different way with all the kids in the sanctuary. So uh, Lauren has been working hard. If you haven't met her, as our children's director. She's an amazing leader, and you want to spend some time with her and get to know her. So we've got some pretty amazing staff. And one of the things they started telling me was it was getting hard to actually staff Graceville, that actually the volunteer base was uh, getting difficult to have enough people serving. So she said, there's this particular Sunday coming up. I know we won't have enough. And we've had people, some of them have been serving every Sunday, some of them serve three Sundays out of the month, and maybe maybe we could just do something, and Danny said the same thing, where we could just say, hey, thank you for how you serve. And so this is one of the ways we want to say thank you, is just to give you a Sunday with no kids programming, no student programming on that day, no um, AV programming, Brian's there, like, yay, right? And uh, the worship would be done by our children's director and our kids. And so just a different kind of Sunday. Now with that, there's going to be some level of disruption, right? Some of you have already experienced the disruption. Maybe there wasn't coffee the way you wanted it, or you weren't able to to get some of the things. And the reason is, is whether you realize it or not, every single thing, except for the message generally that happens on this weekend, happens because of a volunteer, happens because of people that are giving their lives away and they're doing it just for Jesus. So thank you. I know a lot of you do that. The other reason why we thought this would be a really interesting day to, to really get down to some core things around this, this area of service is I was talking to our fire chief here in Seaford. He's a great guy. His name is Jack. He's, he's an interesting guy. He loves leadership and leader development. And Jack told me something's been happening over the last decade that he doesn't understand. He said it used to be if you were a volunteer firefighter, it was easy to find people that wanted to do that or volunteer EMT. He said, but lately they can't find volunteers either. That there is this shift culturally nationwide where we're having a hard time finding enough volunteers to accomplish the different missions that are being given to us within different arenas. Obviously, his with volunteer firefighting, with us expanding the kingdom of Jesus. This, the statistics have been down since 2015, believe it or not. They did peak. And you want to guess when we had the biggest season in our nation recently of serving? It was right after 9-11. So right after 9-11, we had one of the biggest peaks of people serving, wanting to give their lives away to see different things happening. And so we want to ask the question, one, why is that happening? How is that connected to the game is life? And how does that affect us here, especially right here at Grace? So let me just, if you've not been here, let me catch up quickly because we got kids and they got short attention spans, right, kids? 
Yep. Okay. So uh, for the last five weeks, we've been hitting different issues that are real to life. We've talked about not doing life alone. We've talked about the issue of serving. We've already talked about worship and marriage. We talked about uh, a rated PG-13 message since the kids are in the room today. I won't talk about today. You can catch that one from last week. Today's G. Okay. Last week was PG-13. Today's G. And today I want to talk about bankruptcy. Bankruptcy. I think the general reason why that we have a lack of volunteers is we live in a culture that we are completely bankrupt. And I want to go over three areas where I think we're bankrupt and how we're being stretched so thin. We're so frustrated as a country. And the first one is this. Why are we bankrupt? We're too busy. The first reason is we are too busy. Amen. And so let me give you an idea of why we're too busy in this country. 59% of you recently, when you were asked about how busy you are, said that you find it extremely difficult, extremely difficult to balance work and your personal life. So I'm just curious. That's the national stat. If you have found yourself in a place recently where it was hard to balance work and your family, would you raise your hand? Yeah, I'm there with you. It happens from time to time, doesn't it? I think it's, it's very difficult to learn how to balance time and our talents and our treasure and how to leverage those in a way that's a healthy way. In fact, when these same people were surveyed, they were asked this question, how much free time do you get just by yourself, just you? Not with your family, but just time for you to recharge. Anyone want to guess how much time the average American gets in a week? An hour, someone said, what else? Five minutes, <laughs> there's a busy person. Yeah, what do you think? You just want to raise your hand, man, I like it, it's good, you're in. Yeah. What do you say? Zero, zero, it's 26 minutes. The average American in our culture gets about 26 minutes in a week to just be by themselves and recharge. This is important. The first time I started thinking about these principles, not only about time and talent and treasure, I read a book called Choose to Cheat years ago. Now, a lot of people don't like this book because it's a radical book, but it's a book that essentially states that every single one of you in this room, that you're going to cheat someone out of your time, your talents, and your treasure. You will. But the reality is you get to choose who will get cheated. That's the concept biblically that's known as stewardship that we get to steward the time. Let me give you how people volunteer across our nation. It may surprise you. If you're between the age of 20, 24, yay, 20, 24-year-old people, yeah, right? About 18% of you volunteer in some capacity in our nation. It, you want to know what the grace status for the same age group? Because I did the math. It's 16%. So it's a little bit lower, but pretty close to that. If you're between 35 and 45, this one will surprise you. About 29% of you serve Somewhere as a volunteer. Grace, it's about 19%. If you're between the age of 45 and 54, about 28% nationwide. And here at Grace, about 13%. Now, for some reason, nationwide, they don't track under 19. I think that's pretty important, but they don't track it. And they just lump all the rest of y'all as 55 plus. Okay, what, what, what was the term you used? Blessed and above. Okay, so... <laughs> So I, I'm going to give you better numbers, but nationwide, if you're under 19 and 55, they lump you into one category of about 24%. At Grace, I'm proud to say about 7% of you under 19, you're serving. And if you're between 55 and 65, 17% of you are serving. And if you're 65 plus, 28% of you are serving somewhere in your community. So that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And what we know nationwide is it's the middle age that generally is the one serving the most. But what I can say is that's almost tied here, Grace, with our blessed and above crowd, as, as Lauren put it. 
Yay for the blessed above. So now what might surprise you is a lot of people would say, well, I think that's because when you have kids, it's hard to serve, right? Because you have families. How do you balance it? How do you serve? But what you actually learn when you start digging into this, it's actually those that have families and have kids that generally serve the most. There's something about that part of your life and your heart when you're serving kids already that you're like, yeah, I'm already there. Might not stack one more on, right? The second thing we find is it's unbiblical priorities that really make it hard to understand this area. It's unbiblical priorities that actually fight against us and the idea of just us being overextended. I think most people in America think Christianity is about consumption. And let that set for a second. I think most Christians in America, whether we realize or not, think American Christianity is about consumption. One of the most disappointing Facebook posts I recently read, I won't say who it was, but I saw someone looking for a new church. And as they were looking for a new church, and this was, this was a mature person from our perspective, they said, I can't, find a, I can't find a church home right now. They don't have the right parking for me. They don't have the right Sunday school for me. And just the makeup of the music is not the right fit for me in this season of my life. Now, I'm not trying to just point fingers but I, I think a lot of times, and not, by the way, that happens for a lot of people. They don't have the right children's program for me. They don't have the right music for me. They don't have the right programs for me. This happens often inside the church. And I think what's happened, and I think it's because we're Americans and we're used to being consumeristic and everything else we do, we've come to a place that now we look for that in our church. And we've lost the idea that really being a part of the kingdom is advancing the kingdom, not consuming from the kingdom. Amen? Or oh me for some of us as we process this idea. So here's a thing that I've done in my life that helps me every time I'm thinking about where God's placing me next. I ask this question. This is a key question. If you really want to know what God's asking of you in the next season, ask this question of God, I dare you. Say, Lord, show me where I can best advance your kingdom in this season. If you ask that question, he's never failed to show up in my life and show me how and when every time. And it usually challenges me and it stretches me. Let me give you an idea what it's like to serve on a weekend here on a Tuesday night with the edge. It takes seven people at Grace to run the audiovisual ministry. Did I mess that up or am I right? Seven people. It takes between six and seven generally to play within the band. That's how that usually fleshes out. Between 14 and 16 people to run Graceville every week. It takes about six people to properly do guest services in a way that makes sure everyone's greeted and loved and appreciated. It takes one to two people to do security, okay? One to two people to do our security. And it takes between eight and 10 volunteers on a Tuesday, right, to properly run the EDGE student ministry. So when you add those up, here's what you get. It takes between 42 and 48 people to actually do what we do each week to reach people for the kingdom, that's just in those two programs. There's other programs that happen throughout our church. There's other ministries, and they're important ministries. I'm not trying to, to downplay those, but just to look at just the weekend and the student ministry, that's what it takes. Now, here's the good news for you as a church. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to brag on you for a second. 72% of you at this church serve. When you take the average number of tenders of this church and you look at those that serve somewhere, somehow, 72% of you are serving somewhere. And that's pretty awesome. That's way above the nation's statistics. That's pretty good. Where it gets unusual is if I extract or subtract those that don't serve on the weekend 
or at the edge student ministry, it comes down to 57% of us serve. And when I subtract from that number, those of you that put restrictions on your service, for instance, I can't serve in this season, I can't serve during the school year, I can only serve once a month, I, there's lots of different, Lauren will tell me different reasons, I know, different reasons people have in their balancing of life, like we get it, it's hard, that you go, I can only serve in this way, that number drops to 40%. So when you look at that, and then you look at those that don't serve in anywhere on the weekend, you can see how we've woke up one day and we're going, gosh, we don't have enough to actually properly service and love the children of Graceville. We're short a little bit in the area of the edge. Every week, Brian, which is kind of cool, Brian's been very creative. I can tell you that the um, children in Graceville that just graduated, they're in that middle school phase. Yep, yeah, you have been serving in the area of technology and doing a good job. But it's taking people like that that are stepping up. And the other thing I can tell you is there's quite a few of you that you're serving sometimes three Sundays out of a month. Some of you even four Sundays out of a month. Some five, because it's five Sundays in a month. Thanks, Lauren. I, I, uh, I don't think that way, but thanks for having the home. And Lauren told me she's been serving that area since June. And what she's, she's only had two Sundays that she hasn't had to actually serve in an area of programming. Because she wants to get out to meet many of you and ask you to serve. But she's too overwhelmed with actually serving in one of those areas. So what does that mean? Well, one thing, I want to do something because I just want to see who you are. And I want to say thank you because I know some of you have been busting your tails. If you serve more than two Sundays or two Tuesdays out of a month, can you stand for a second? I just want to see you and recognize you. Yes, Susan, get up. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you all. Thank you very much. I know that you've been giving because you love Jesus, and I know you've been giving because you love other Christians and kids and family, and you want to see them growing. And here's what I know. I did the numbers. You know, I'm a numbers guy, engineer, former engineer. I had to crunch some numbers. Our average attendance in person is about 116 in person on a weekend. That counts kids breathing everything that moves, okay? It, it average kids on a weekend is 20. Average, it goes up and down at times. It's been increasing from what Lauren's telling me. That was the last quarter. If I take that number away, it's 96 people that are adult-ish that are, that are here on a weekend. And here's what will mess you up. Remember those numbers I gave you? A minimum of 42 and hopeful number of 48. If every single person in this church served one Sunday a month, none of these people would be serving three and four Sundays a month. That's, that's just the numbers. It's one of the reasons why we thought it would be important to do a no-serve Sunday. And I got to tell you, as soon as we did it, we knew we were going to get some flack. People were mad. People complained. Because we're so used to, even I'm used to, having my needs met. Even somebody told me, says, well, you had a cup of coffee this morning. I did. I went by Dunkin' and got it. But I do it every Sunday. But I'm used to that. I'm a consumer at times, too. I'm not beyond this. The reality is, though, if all of us started to serve, and maybe even serve two Sundays a month, every need in this church would be met. And I think we would be on a footing to double very quickly. So I think that's what's going on. The third reason why this is a struggle for us to balance this kind of time is we retire too soon, family. Church family, I think we retire too soon. Did you know that the biblical concept of retirement is not real? You can't find retirement anywhere in Scripture. 
It's one thing to finish a job and do well at that job and retire because you're tired of whatever it is, carving chicken or running around or driving trucks or whatever it is you did. It's one thing to say, I've retired from that as an employment for my income. It's another thing to think that now we just get to sit back and coast. So that's not a healthy thing. Whether you're there because you feel like you're burned out or you're there because you're a certain age, it's not a good thing. And I remember early on in the leadership meetings of this church being so impressed with some of the Christians that God gave me. I'm going to brag on her because I can. But Julia Mills is sitting right here. One of the things that impressed me about Julia was the first outreach we ever did. And we're doing an outreach. It was 90 thinking degrees, five plus out there, River Fest. And we're handing out bottles of water. And I'm thinking, man, I need to be careful with some of my, uh, which I'm going to get that term. My blessed, my blessed and above crowd. And so Julie comes out as my, one of my blessed and above crowds. And I'm like, I don't want to hurt her hip anymore. I don't want her to get hurt. I said, here's a nice place to sit, Miss Julia. You can help people with charging the phones. And a free giveaway. She's like, oh, no, I'm giving out water. And she starts picking up water, putting in her little red wagon. Mm-hmm. And literally just going down the street, she got us in trouble with the police. Because as she went down the street, she went right before the food vendors and said, you got to know about my church. And she starts handing out water. And I said, Julie, aren't you afraid you're going to mess your hip up? She's like, I had my Advil this morning. We're good. And off she went. And, and there's several different people like that. When I look at them, I'm like, you get it. And I'm proud of you. But I also think there's a mentality that sometimes that we can retire from the Christian faith or that we get to a place where it's okay for us to step back. And I got to tell you, church family, it's never going to be true. One of the things I was thinking about, you know, one of the things I don't enjoy, and, and uh, Bucky, who's chair of finance, will tell you this. I don't enjoy the financial part. I'm glad I have some people to help me with that. I can do it as a skill because I've learned it, but it, it sucks the life out of me, the administrative side of finance, and uh, I'll do it. And I thought one day I'm going to find a church the size that we are. One day when I retire from active ministry, which is okay to do that, I'm going to go volunteer and serve. And I'm going to find a church just like ours and go to that pastor and say, can I take care of the finances for you? Because I know they suck. Okay, I know that that is not a cool thing to do. And I just want to do that for people. But that's the way you and I should be thinking when we think about retirement. Retirement frees us up to do things in a different way, invest in the kingdom in maybe a more fruitful way. So I'm going to read to you a passage that I think will help us understand this. It's out of the message because it's such a beautiful paraphrase of this idea. It's from the book of 2 Corinthians, which is a book where Paul wanted to talk to the church about how to be the church. Here's what he said. Remember, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. God loves it when a giver delights in the giving. God can pour out the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything, more than just ready to do what needs to be done. As one psalmist puts it, he throws caution to the winds, giving to the needy in reckless abandon. His right living, right living ways never run out, never wear out. This most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for the meals is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something you can give, give away, which grows into full-formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. 
So there's a way in which I think we're supposed to live where we give our lives away and we're not nearly as much consumers. And I want to talk to you briefly about rich living and how you can be rich in your living and not be at that place where you feel bankrupt. So how do you do that? One, you give with the right heart. That's the first thing the apostle's saying here. Give with the right heart. Never give because you're manipulated. Never give because you're coerced. Never give because you're guilted. Never give out a duty, he says in this passage, to give with the right heart. Remember, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. And when he's talking about this idea of sowing generously, he says, hey, protect your heart against sob stories. In other words, people manipulating your emotions and arm twisting. God loves it when when the giver delights in the giving. In fact, in the original language, he uses a word there that we get hilarious from. And what he's saying is God loves a hilarious giver. Someone that just gives out of the joy and the overflow of their Christian life. The Lord loves a cheerful, hilarious giver. And there's more than one way to give. Time, talent, treasure. Now, those of you that have been raised in the church, you've grown up in the church, you've heard this one word. I want to present this word to you in a new way, in a new concept altogether. You've heard the word tithe, right? To give 10% of your your income, your actual treasure to God. And if you've grown up in that system, you know you give that at your local church. But then you have offerings that you give beyond that God calls you to give, right? I want you to think about the weekend in a different way. The weekend that's what we do every Sunday and what happens every Tuesday in the edge. I want you to think about that your primary place and storehouse that you should give of your time and your talent and your treasure is in the weekend. It's on the Tuesday because that's when the most people generally are here and get impacted. And when you invest in that, that's not just a monetary tithe. It's a tithe of your time and your talent. And then you give to other ministries outside of that also based on the overflow and the rhythm of your life. But if you begin to think that way, maybe we'll go through a whole new transformation as a church in the next season that we're coming through. I want to ask Lauren to come up for a moment because I think to give with the right heart, you need to hear what's happening in the hearts of the people being impacted by your church and your church family. So welcome her as she shares about a story from Graceville. So we've been trying to figure this weekend out for a few few weeks now and and Pastor Larry said, hey, can you think of a time that Graceville had a moment where you knew God was there? And so when I first walked into this ministry, which wasn't that long ago, I was nine months pregnant and going through all of the things and talking to volunteers and talking to the ministry team. And I just felt the need to pray over the scripture. It's from Mark 9, and it says... After they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing on the road? But they didn't answer because they had been arguing. Sound familiar, parents? About which of them was the greatest. Sound familiar, parents? He sat down, called the 12 disciples over to him and said, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Then he put a little child among them, taking the child in his arms. He said to them, Anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes not only me, but also my Father who sent me. And that was the scripture that I just prayed over Graceville for the whole time I had a newborn at home. 
And we went through a transition where we changed the curriculum. And our first curriculum that we went through, the first Bible story, we spent eight weeks on Joseph. Like, not just like the coat and the slavery and all of that stuff. We spent eight weeks dissecting the life of Joseph. And let me tell you, these teachers were at their wits end by week eight because we'd been talking about Joseph for so long. But the very first Sunday, one of the little boys came up to me and he said, did you know Joseph? He was the littlest brother. He got thrown into a pit. They sold him into slavery. Then he was in charge of everything. And then God took him over here. And then he solved all the problems. And then he made up with all of his brothers. First Sunday. And his mom looked at me and said, you did all of Joseph. And that was when I knew that the investment and the prayer and the time and the servant hearts of our teachers was worth it because this little boy knew a story from the Holy Word of God. And that's my prayer for every Sunday that I have all the kids running up to me going, did you hear? Because that's what I want them doing out in the world. Did you hear about the word of the Lord? What's up, Grace family? The sky. Yeah, the sky is up. Um, so you, you all know that I, I run student ministry. I have the privilege of, of serving our youth and with such a great team. Um, one of the experiences, uh, well, one of the many experiences that keep happening recently, um, we've, we've been running through some, some pretty intense programming on Tuesday nights. It's actually a program called The Landing. It's essentially Celebrate Recovery for Teens. Um, and we, we're working them through what it is to de- actually deal with the things in their life. Um, and it gets pretty deep. It, it, it's like one of the hardest things for, for people in general to do. I'm just here to tell you, like, students grab hold of this, and they just, man, they get it out week in and week out. Uh, last week, last or week before last, uh, we were in our meeting. We were in our small group, and it was uh, I was in with the guys because that's how we do it, the guys with the guys, ladies with the ladies kind of thing. And uh, we're in our first small group of, of this season, and you know, we're going around talking about what it means to make amends with other people. And, you know, some of the guys start sharing and then it comes to me and then I share a, a pretty deep story out of my life because that's what I do. I pull out some depth to try to draw it out of them. Well, right after I was done sharing, I had a young man turn right around instantly and he's like, man, that's pretty deep. And uh, I said, man, why? And then he turns around to start sharing uh, some things that he's working through. And I, I won't tell you what those were, but it was pretty deep as well. And in that moment, I turned around and I said to him, hey, man, like outside of this meeting, if you want to come together and like start meeting weekly to work through these kind of issues, like I would love to meet with you. And instantly this young man grabs hold of him. He's like, absolutely, I'll be, when do you want me here? Like he jumps up, he's like ready to come in and start working through these things that have drug him down. And this past Wednesday, we actually had our first meeting uh, it was like two and a half hours long. It was really great just to get to connect with this this young man that he, because he's just struggling with something specific in his life. And I can tell you that this one young man is just one of the many. Like I have five right now that meet with me on a weekly basis to work on a deeper level of things that are going through their life. And what I would love the most about this story is that if I could raise up other mentors 
to come alongside our students and our teenagers and our children because they're hurting and they're confused and they don't know how to deal with these things on their own. But man, I can tell you that there's a, I'm looking at a lot of experience sitting in this room that surely has something to pour back into these younger generations. Thanks. We had a new couple that recently started to our church in the last few months. And uh, it was funny talking to the wife. I got to know her first through Facebook Messenger. And uh, she said, you know, uh, we grew up in a little bit more of a strict Baptist church. And my husband told me, uh, reality is I'm tired of having that stuff shoved down my throat. And he began attending our weekends here. And he felt the love that you all extended. He loved the music. The messages were relevant to his life. And he's now growing. He's growing. And like a lot of us in this season, if you get a sniffle right now, what do we do? We usually stay home. Those of you online maybe have one of those moments, right? Because you're not wanting to spread anything, which is good. Don't do that, okay? And so they, they woke up one morning. They weren't feeling quite right. And he says, oh, we're just not going to be able to go to church. And then he said something, and she sent this to me as a testimony. She said she never in a million years thought this would happen. He said, get out the laptop. We can log in online, and we can still hear what God may share with us today as we keep moving forward in our faith. We're sharing these stories with you because you matter and the investment that you're making in the lives of other people, it matters. People's lives are being changed. You cannot miss the passion of that. If you miss that and you think church is about what you get, you've missed Jesus altogether because it's what we give that matters. Now, how do you get to a place that you can give that? Well, you have to make time for the habits. I know that sounds ridiculous, but the way that you actually get to where you need to get is you have to actually do the habits because the reality is, is you and I need to hear how to format our lives. We can only hear that from the father. God can pour on the blessing. I love this out of the message in astonishing ways so that you are ready for anything and everything more than just ready to do what needs to be done. The irony is it's not about going and doing something first. It's about being someone first. And once you're at the right place of being, you don't wear out when you serve. You get energy when you serve. The best people, regardless if they've been Christians or business people or sports people, learn that habits are the things that make them successful. It's not talent. Let's see what the opinion is here. We did this during a recent class at our church Who's who's the great who's the greatest basketball player in your opinion of all time? And no, it's not him. Who is it? Jordan? I hear Bird usually comes up. Who's another one? LeBron. Okay. Scotty Pippen. He was a great help to Jordan. Okay. Um, so so there's a lot of opinions in this, and I won't argue with you who's the best. I have my own opinion is. But here's what I will tell you. If you examine the lives of the best basketball players of all time, you will find a common thread in every single one of their journeys. They were the hardest working in their field. They were on the field first. They were on the court first. They practiced longer. And they learned to discipline their game in such a way that it got better and better and better. And here's what I know about the Christian faith. The Christian faith is the same way. The Apostle Paul, writing to the same church, in his first letter to the church, said this. He says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. 
Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to the others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. What's the Apostle Paul saying in 1 Corinthians? He's saying, practice the disciplines of the faith, which we call the habits. I guarantee if you're not in a daily hang time with God, you will run out of juice quick because that's where God fuels you. That's where God speaks to you. That's where God starts to talk to you about the things he wants. And then I guarantee if you don't have accountability with a growth group, you'll falter. You'll stumble more often. And you'll also live a facade because you don't have people that are getting up in your grill often enough telling you where you're falling short. And I need that. I need people that will be real with me and tell me when my life isn't measuring up to what God wants. I know that if you don't understand how to study the Bible, then you can't gain greater wisdom in the heart of God, which is why Bible study is so important. It's why we just did a class Saturday, 13 people showed up and learned how to read the scriptures for the first time. And you know what's really cool is every time you come to church, every church you've ever been to, you hear read the Bible, but how many churches actually show you how to read the Bible? That's why we do that course. And people that go through Growing With Grace come out of it going, wow, I never knew it could be so easy to read God's word once I knew the process of how to read it correctly. Those that are inspired to serve and treasure the kingdom, they understand how to steward their life in such a way. The way that you get that habit is you serve and you treasure God's kingdom. We're going to launch a new class on November 21st. It's in your bulletin teaching you how to do that, and how to make that time. And then those that really share the gospel, share it everywhere they go. At their home, at their work, at their places that they play. They're always sharing the gospel. We'll be launching a class for that in 2022. The classes are not the goal. I, gotta help, I hope you understand that. The classes are to help to equip you to live out the habits. Because when you live out the habits of a hang time with God, accountability with other believers, Bible study, inspired service, treasuring the kingdom, and sharing the gospel, the kingdom of God grows. And that's the goal. I was thinking about this and just thinking about how important it is for you to get to that place because then you can be filled. Now, I know your excuse. I don't have time, right? Are you there? I'm, I'm preaching right now, and you're going, I don't have time. My life is just so full. And I was children's uh, ministers are the best ones for illustrations. Thank you, Lauren. So Lauren was thinking, a lot of your lives look like this, don't they? You got, there's your 26 minutes. Does that look like you? And then you've got these things your pastor's telling you to start thinking about called habits, right? And you take something like this one, you say, I, I think I can somehow, if I work hard, squeeze you know, maybe this hang time and accountability. That one might fit, okay? And maybe I'll learn how to study the Bible a little better, right? And now I'm going to try to figure out how to be inspired to serve and maybe start to give the way that God wants me to give. And, and this starts to happen, doesn't it? Even before you can figure out how you're going to share the gospel with other people, you're, you're already like, I'm maxed out. Here's why. Here's a basic principle that if you would learn to change it about your life and might learn to change this about my own life, is before you start doing anything else, won't you clear the entire plate first? Won't you clear the things that you know aren't really going to actually have an impact on eternity? And then actually then take the actual habits, make them the actual foundation of the journey of your Christian life. 
Because once they're there and you're walking in a healthy way with God, then you can decide how you're actually going to fill those other areas. And you can do it in such a way as you think about and pray through and have a dialogue with God and even leave maybe more than just 26 cents in a day. But it requires you to first clear your plate and start with the habits. I'm telling you, the habits are what cause growth in the life of believers, disciplines that will treat your life in such a way that you will grow every day of your life, not because you come to church, but because you serve the kingdom in the right way, with the right heart, with the right motive, with the habits that produce. That's how that happens. And the third thing, if you really want to get to a place where you can really advance the kingdom, is you actually get to a point where you want everyone to be rich. You want everyone to be rich. When you start to live this kind of life, this infused with the habits of God, where you see God all around you and in you and acting through you, impacting the lives of other people. You're getting the joy of their testimony and your testimony, and you're seeing God do all these cool things. You can't help but share it. It's, it's in you. It's, it's infectious. This most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more than extravagant with you. Have you ever thought about that? In other words, in this text, what the author is saying, what Paul is saying is the God of heaven pours riches into your life for one reason, not for you, but that you might sow them into the field and see it grow. And there's always enough left over in your life when that is the reason you serve. Do you want to know the number one reason that people who are not serving serve? Anyone going to guess? What's the number one reason that someone who's never served or not serving in that area begins to serve. It's because they were invited. So for those of you that stood up and you're like, man, I'm working hard. I'm working this three Sundays a month. I'm working two or more. Here is how you see people begin to serve. It's all relational. You and your leaders have to take a moment in time to then build a relationship with people and then invite them into the journey of that area of service. Because I'm telling you, when you serve with a team that you enjoy serving with and you build a relationship with, it's fun to serve with them every single week of your life. I love Matthew 20, 28. Danny and I both love this passage. It says, Jesus said, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, why did he come? To serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So here is my choice and challenge for you this week. Our choice today is simple. You can sit and soak or inspire and treasure. And you get to choose which one you'll do and how God will be involved in your life. And I can tell you, those that sit and soak, as you learned a few months ago, do what? They leave a stain. But those that inspire and treasure advance the kingdom of God. Uh, my father-in-law years ago said it this way. He said, there's something wrong with someone that comes to church and has this mentality. Just put my snout under the spout where the grace comes out. At some point, you'll just get filled to a point that you can't give anything away. At some point, you got to start giving things away. You know, don't be a pond. Be a river. Let that stuff flow through your life to other people. So let me pray for you, and then I'll give you a couple ways to respond. Father in heaven, I thank you for each and every person here. Uh, kids as well, thank you for the energy they bring into every gathering, Lord. Them as well as our teens. Let us learn from their passion, learn from their energy, learn from their zeal, learn from the simplicity of their faith. And God, let us serve you in such a way that is connected to our passion. 
serve you in such a way that we get to see your kingdom advanced every week, serve you in such a way, whether it's on our weekend team or the kids team or the, or the, or the student team, where lives are changed and we get to know that you utilized us to change the life of another. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, Lauren mentioned real quick before we depart, uh, she mentioned uh, your Connect card. So what we're going to ask you to do this week is you get ready to leave, whether this is a digital Connect card online. Uh, we'll send that to you by email because we don't have anybody doing online right now. It's just a film. Uh, but for you, put your name on here. Let us know who you are. That's always important. But if you want to serve in a certain area where it says prayers and blessings, would you let us know? If you felt like when you heard the story Lauren shared about Graceville, you're like, I want to have an impact on children. Just put Graceville or kids. If you felt like when you heard Danny's story about teens and how their lives are being changed through what they're doing on Tuesday night, right, the edge or teens, okay? If you heard what was happening on the weekend here and you're like, I want to see people's lives impacted in that way and I want to be a part of that, then just pray the weekend. We will follow up with you, have a conversation and do our best to connect you to a place where you can impact God and impact his people. And I guarantee you'll walk away from it more fulfilled. Amen? Amen. Hey, have a blessed Sunday. Have a good time. And we'll see you next week.